Welcome to Exploring the Ozarks, where we tell the history and stories of locations, places, and people that make up the area. Here's Matt finishing off his drink. <laughs> it's all about timing, you know. There's always something new we have to point out every single time. Every we start time. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hello there. Hello there. This is uh, Exploring the Ozarks. I am Matt Graham, as you just heard from uh, our fabulous producer and co-host David Carr with Creative Endeavor, Springfield Studio One. We are sitting here with none other than Miss Catherine Vicat. Thank you for being Thank here, you. Catherine Vicat. Uh, a I local legend that you're about to in find my own out. Mind. Yeah, well, in mind like we should have like, yeah. right? Hey, right. that's classy. That's nice. There we go. I like uh, that. I like uh, that. But I have some history with Catherine, and what we're going to talk about is history. Funny enough, absolutely. Um, history. Gosh, that was a good pun. When that was that's beautiful. That was punny. Very punny. Mm. Uh, but we're going to talk about so many things today. So we're going to get right into it. David, tell about Patreon real quick. Patreon. If you want to support us, you're not a business, don't have all that money to spend, but want to do $5, $10, $25 a month, you can get on Patreon. You get access to exclusive content, and you help us continue to explore the Ozarks because we don't we don't charge anybody to come on here, right. but we do uh, incur some costs as we are out producing these things. Well, so. and the cool part about it is is it's a yeah. way to, it's a way for people to get attached to what we're doing, yep. uh, support what we're doing. This isn't free. We all charge people for our time, typically. Typically. Uh, right now, we don't charge anybody, thank goodness, but we yeah. do have sponsors. So and, you were going to charge me to be here? Well, no, maybe you, but um, nobody else, actually. <laughs> Funny enough. No, we'll just charge you sound advice. It's just the way our bank account works. Is, uh, but we do like to thank uh, Jess Bowman with BIG Insurance. And uh, we do have some other sponsorships that are coming in as well. But, you know, the cool part about Patreon is the fact that we leave this record button. As soon as we put, you know, people in seats, we have that mic, that recording button going. So the stories that we hear outside of the show are actually sometimes better than what's on the show. That's true. And yeah. so you even hear some better stories if you get into that too. So, um, so we are, so here. don't delay, go sign don't up. Don't delay. That was good. Call now. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but we, uh, also are at Springfield studio one, which is where you're seeing this podcast being filmed. Uh, there's a room, uh, shoot a couple of different rooms that you've got. Oh, that I have been tons of rooms. Painstakingly been working on for so long mm-hmm. where you could film a uh, sitcom if you'd like. A&E sure. likes to come here and, and do things in they there. Do. So Every A&E is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you also have a stage set up where you can come in here with the band and you can play on a stage and, f- and bring people in here or if you'd like in to. General. Perform in general. Or perform in general. Kind of get used to or... warming up, getting on stage, things like that, I getting see. over your stage fright before you go on tour or whatever. Um, if you want to screen a film, you can do that here too. you got a huge Huge, big ass. <laughs> it's a big ass screen, is what it is. It really is. It's yeah. huge, actually. You're from you're With from a good the, audio system. The film I world. Need, so I, need you, to tap into that I was going to say maybe we need to set something up because uh, we're here to talk about a few things. And before we got on here, uh, we realized that we're going to be a little short on time. We so are, we yeah. have offered to have. Miss Catherine, this is a two-part series, at, at least yeah. two-part, I think, because you've got maybe three, maybe ten. We don't know. Well, there's so many things I'm sitting here looking. It'll at. It'll be like the Band of Brothers TV show. We'll just like make this like a ten-part. <sighs> We're the easiest. We'll have Catherine do the voiceover. I can do that. She's got the voice for it. Oh my <laughs> sure. gosh! Like, let's hear it. It yeah. rings. Example. It rings. Absolutely. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. Northeastern voice. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Um, but everything I'm looking at here has led from one to the other to the other and it's only been a short amount of time like since our radio show Mm -hmm. um when we first learned about what footsteps researchers is um really cool because my grandfather was in world war ii he was a underwater army welder in like which is super impressive right so any of the ships (laughs) that got damaged in uh pearl harbor or whatnot they Mm -hmm. actually would take them to alaska 
to yeah. get fixed because it was more out of the way. Russians weren't really on our asses at that point. Right. So that was the safest place for them to do all these repairs. And that wow. was my grandfather that was fixing those those ships before they sent them back out. Was contributing to the war effort in Alaska. And yeah. Nobody even knew. Right. So, and yeah. couldn't tell anybody where he was or anything. Huh. Um, but that's what he did. And then they would send him back out into combat. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, at least he made it through all of that. Thank goodness. Well, lucky. Uh, kind of. He did suffer from mesothelioma and things like that afterwards from all the asbestos that they worked around and things oh like God. that. So there's so many repercussions of war. Oh, my gosh. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're not going to get political. What we're going to do is talk about what Footsteps Researchers is, uh, what leads you to Legacy Lost and Found, which is also super awesome. We're going to give the audience a good taste of it. Yes. And we'll get a, dig into it a lot more next time. Yes. And since we're always talking about the film industry in this yes. area, this to mm -hmm. me, when I saw this pop up on Facebook, because I follow you very heavily, I, f I feel like I stalk you. <laughs> that's um, okay. And I've always the thought... The first step is admit... You, <laughs> you wouldn't be the only one. It's okay. Oh, good. I'm your biggest <laughs> fan number. then, right? <laughs> Yeah. And Let me then, do this again. Oh yeah, that's my oh, oh, that's I my like low that. voice. Oh, okay. oh, nice. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> he did it one time, and I was like, I really got to put that in the board somehow. <laughs> he caught it just when I did it. But my wife really likes the low voice, you know, my Barry White. Um, I was sick that day, actually. That's why it sounds so good. Mm -hmm. um, but then we also talk about <laughs> this all ties together, and then it comes back to the Ozarks, right? Yes. We're exploring the Ozarks, so that's what we do is we explore things in the Ozarks. Um, you guys filmed a full-fledged movie here, production movie. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name, so I'm going to let you introduce that part of it. What's the name of the movie you guys recently filmed here? Reveille. Reveille. Yes. Yeah, so mm. I would have butchered that. Um, the way it's spelled, okay? Yes. Is, there, is there a lot of Reveille throughout the it's whole tricky. entire movie? Absolutely, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I meant the trumpet. Trumpet. You know, no. It's, nope. it's the I mean, irony yeah. of it all. Okay. Right. No, no music. I didn't want people to think I was thinking like, Reveling, like reveling in what's going on. Oh, like, no. That part of as in, you know, when the taps. Is that going to be backwards on Facebook, though? I don't know. Bastards. I think since you use real cameras, I don't think that is. Well, probably not. Who knows? Oh, up higher. Oh, thanks. My producer over there is telling me higher. Um, so, and I'll cover up the name and everything for you. Um, but it's a super cool. Uh, the, the clips that I've seen of it is is amazing. I mean, you guys have real actors, real yeah. ammunition. Yeah, real ammo. Which never happens, yeah. uh, but you guys needed it for sound. We're going to get into that, too. I think where we need to start to end up at this spot in less than 30 minutes is Footsteps Researchers. Yes. So Footsteps Researchers, for those that do not know, um, I'm going to let Catherine talk about what that is. Tell us what Footsteps Researchers is. We specialize in World War II, basically. So... Um, and pretty much anything that has to do with World War II and the research therein. So we started from Dr. Myra Miller. She was our founder. Didn't know anything about her father's World War II service and decided that she wanted to know. Well, she's one of those people. She dives into the deep end. Right. So mm, she discovered it. that her father was in the 83rd Infantry Division, and now she's one oh. of the 83rd's experts. Holy smokes. And she um, has... Hardcore dude She right retraced, there. yes. She retraced <laughs> all of his footsteps and physically went to Europe with her brothers. You're talking from his going into the military, yes. getting drafted, yep. going to basic training. Yep. She knew where he went to basic. She knew when he left. She knew where he landed and when he landed. And so she was able to go where he landed and then move through Europe with him, ultimately getting to the point where she laid in the foxhole where he was shot. Holy smokes. Because we can specify, we can get down to the, you know, the geographical coordinates. Whoa. Wow. For an individual. That's insane that you and can get to yeah. the coordinates. Oh, yeah. How did you guys find that, though? I mean, did they have specific 
coordinates? They do. You have do to they go, keep records of that, of where someone specifically uh-huh. died? Wow. Yeah. You have to go to the National Archives in St. Louis, and you have to you have to collect um, a file, which is either their official military personnel file, which okay. is an OMPF. There's some jargon. Oh. Um, and <laughs> we then love a, jargon. She really knows her stuff. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. They're all letters. Um, and then there's an in, uh, a deceased person's file. So there's an IDPF, individual deceased person. Okay. Not um, IMDB. Correct. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I track that down, and then the next step is to go through the Ramona reports because the military is fanatical about keeping records. So every single day, a clerk took a morning report for every division, every battalion, every regiment. They all have a morning report. And that morning report dictates to me where they were, why they were there, when they were there, how long they were there, what happened when they were there. So we take all of that information and we paint a complete picture of someone's duty through World War II beginning to end. That's wow. You make it sound yeah. so easy. But, you no, know, <laughs> it is. But like, you know, it's life changing. I've been lucky. I've been on a couple of trips now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one lady was able to go to the hospital where her dad was triaged because it's still there. Wow. So was it a hospital or was it a church? What was it, was it? it was actually a school. It was a boarding school, school that was, you know, taken for the, the hospital. Right. And that's what they used it for. Amazing. Because um, there's so many lives that were affected in that, that this goes back generations mm-hmm. of people that oh, are yeah. interested. You know, you hear the stories growing up of your grandfather was in World War Two. He died. He was, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I think maybe our generation more than maybe some that are coming up, of course, but that still is going to be something that people know about mm-hmm. uh, because it was an atrocity and it's such a big deal that we came in and we, uh, we kick some ass, right? Yeah. Uh, what is it? I'm not even going to say what the shirt says, but uh, World War II champs times two. Um, or World War World War champs, I think is what it is. World War II. Uh, but, you know, when oh, you guys, goodness. when you're doing this, I've seen the shirt. I, I thought about getting it. I need it. Um, but, you know, even just like what your shirt you're wearing, if you could turn to the camera, this one over here, this one, which one do you want? Well, this one right here's already got it. This one right here's already got it. So let's talk about, that's the epitome of what you guys do. Right. So next we'll lead into the legacy lost and found. But let's tell the story of this shirt that you have on because you wore it for a reason. Yes. And this story right here is is one of the most fascinating things because I watched your trip to France when you guys were on one of your research. What do you call that? A a research? A footsteps tour. Footsteps tour. Yeah. And you guys were were searching for someone else, but you just so happen to have other stories to go along with this. And there's a lot of them. That's why there's going to be a multi-part series for this. Tell us more about the shirt. So Christmas Day 1944, a five-year-old boy by the name of Victor was in Belgium and witnessed a plane coming over the hill towards his home. And he noticed that it was smoking. Obviously, it was on fire. Coming down. And he saw um, three pilot or three soldiers jump. And then he watched the plane go over the hill, slope down, and then crash mm. in a oh, pasture. I remember that story now yeah. that you were telling on there. Right. Okay. And the plane crashed in the pasture across from his home. And later that day, when the family was going to church, he saw the bodies of the soldiers that were in the plane wrapped in oh, their parachutes. Just going to church. Just going to church. <laughs> And he said, he promised, he said he, he can't he can't not thank them. And so 77 years, he committed to finding every single crew member, putting up a memorial. He purchased the land where the plane crash was as soon as he could and didn't touch it wow. until the first one of the members could come back and actually Man. see it before anybody else did. So And left the, wow. crane, the plane crash there, didn't yeah, touch anything on the property. Anything. Yeah, he Nobody looted it, it, thank no, goodness. No. And well, it's not marked. Time. It's, you know, you wouldn't, if you didn't know there was oh. a plane crash there, 
you, you wouldn't. Because in the video that you showed, it almost looked like there was there was a road going through there now and all mm-hmm. sorts yeah. of stuff. So is, the landscape uh-huh. had changed. Right. But no one knew that there was a plane crash there. Yeah. Okay. It, and unless you were five, you know, unless you were there in 1944, <laughs> and, you wouldn't have known. And there's so many plane crashes. Right. You know, oh, that, yeah. That was, yeah. We, right. You know, even finding the name of the plane was tricky. We weren't, we, we didn't know what the plane name was. We didn't know uh, why it was named the way it was named. And so yeah. that was the only thing that helped us was a bolt. A bolt, because it, it was numbers on yeah, it, Yeah, right? there was From one solitary plane. bolt that was we were able to find that was able to verify that it was the king size, which is the name of the plane. Whoa. Wow. And that's how we were able to verify. <sighs> and so um, finally this last July, or this last winter, um, we took the last member. Um, Eddie O'Rourke is the great nephew of Eddie O'Rourke. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and he was the co-pilot. And oh he actually God. refused the bailout order, wanted to try to save his crew, um, ended going down with the plane. And yeah. so Eddie was able to come and collect parts of the plane. He was able to find knobs. He was able to touch and sit and stand where his great uncle actually perished. So. so the rest wow. of the plane was pretty much demolished. Yeah. At that well, point. and the army comes in and they take away whatever they can. But okay. Anything that's left is was protected. Right. The They're dragging it off, not picking yeah. up pieces at the time. Yeah. So yeah. he was able to physically go out and and feel the things that his wow. his yeah. his grandfather Absolutely. tried to save lives and ended up causing mm-hmm. lives to be lost. But yeah. uh, but that's the epitome of what you guys are doing, mm-hmm. and that's where this whole thing. If if you guys follow Catherine Vicat or Footsteps Researchers, I would suggest going on Facebook because the videos you have of your trip to France. And going to all these locations. I mean, right before this, you you told us that the, you guys even found the geographic location and coordinates of where Private Ryan fell. Yeah. And that, to me, is, is huge because we've all probably seen that movie. It's oh, one yeah. of my favorite movies of all mm-hmm. time. But to think that, number one, it's 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 real and you can attain to the knowledge yeah. to know it's where... It's not an abstract thought. There's a... Right. It's not just spot. a movie at that point. It becomes yeah. an, an American serviceman. Yeah. And that's, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, in Europe, it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. That's what blew my mind about this. Yeah, because there's markers yeah. everywhere, everywhere you, you went. Yeah. There were markers of what happened there, what atrocities, right. because there were some yeah. mass yeah. murders and things like that uh-huh. that happened in these little villages, and they would make makeshift uh, cemeteries and things like that. And yeah. those people were so respectable yeah. that they marked these places so people knew what happened there to not let it happen again almost. Yeah. And that, to me, is something that you don't hear in the history books. You don't you hear don't. it in history class. No. Um, you know, most of the time you hear that the Germans kind of swept it under the rug. You don't talk about it much. But I've talked to German people who say that's absolutely not true in Germany, no. that they really do talk about it quite a bit because oh, yeah. they don't want it happening either. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they know how the world sees them, you know, <laughs> right. so to speak. And, and it's, it's and what's really amazing is uh, we were able to go into a bunker a World War II bunker that had not been touched. We were the first Americans actually to enter that bunker. Wow. Without a gun. Holy smokes. I need right. to say. Yeah. And um, 10,000 people had to live in that bunker. 10,000? Yeah, for 10 years, off and on for 10 years. Oh, my God. While they rebuilt uh, How the big city. Was the they bunker? Were, um, it was four stories. Uh-huh. And when they built it, it was just supposed to be temporary. So there was mm-hmm. no toilet facilities. There was no water facilities. Oh. There was no circulation. I remember that. There was yeah. no electricity, There was right? no electricity. So they had these giant hand pump generators because if, if a bomb hit, they'd have to pump the energy. Because so literally mm-hmm. people would be out there yeah. taking wow. turns Pink doing turns, this. Pumping <laughs> the generator. And what's... what's when they were going through it, some of that was still there as far yeah. as people would decorate their own section they did. of they the room. They painted the school. And, and you're they... talking what, like a size of this table maybe is all yeah, the room they, you they had? Yeah, had a six by six space. Like that's insane to me, but they made it their homes. You yeah. say 10,000 people like all at once? Well, no, in and, 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 and out. Yeah, in and out. Yeah. As they would rebuild years. parts of the city, because they it would was, go yeah, back. Gotcha, it was completely gotcha. destroyed. So, and, wow. and the, the guide was telling me that 
when the Nazi youth were growing up, the, the parents were told, you know, your kids need to be Nazis and they do not coddle them, do not be gentle, do not be kind, make them tough. My mother, I, I'm a, my mother's a first generation, I'm German. Right. And to this day, my grandfather, he, my grandfather was raised among the Nazi youth. So it, it was ingrained in him, don't be affectionate, don't be hugging. And so don't he wasn't. And so generationally, we're still paying for that. Yeah, We're that, still paying that for that lack of action. It really yeah. does. My mother really struggled well, that's, with that that's growing up. My, my brother, not, yeah. my brother is his historian. He talks about World War II stuff. And one of the things he talks about is how all that PTSD that the World War II vets went oh, through that yeah. wasn't recognized at that right. time. No, yeah. that affected they just called the whole it entire the thousand generation. Yard stare, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's that that the emotional detachment. I mean, you go through shell shock that's too. that bad. Yeah. Yeah. That just affects your families and affects oh. just yeah. that whole entire. But you generation. didn't talk about it. And it created a vacuum, right? Which is why, a yeah, vacuum. that emotional yeah. vacuum. Yeah. Good way to put it, actually. Yeah. Because and for my boss, the boys knew. Yeah. But the girls didn't. Yeah. Oh. Because they didn't want. They didn't want to. Because they're you know, emotional or what? Yeah, he didn't want to fill her pretty head with ugly stories. Oh well, Which I gotta say, I could get that. Yeah, you yeah. want to protect people. If I had people. gone through all yeah. that, I would not want to share it at all either. But you know, right. the PTSD isn't just of the the people that were in the war too. Is is it was the French? A lot mm-hmm. of well, yeah. any European at that at yeah. that time probably has PTSD from everything that went oh, yeah. on. Could you imagine? I think that's the. And I don't want to get too political or anything, but I feel like people in this in the United States were so insulated from the rest of the world that yeah. we don't have too many bad things happening. I feel like that's why depression is so rampant because people create things to yeah. be depressed about. Yeah. And I know it's, it's a real thing. I get it. Oh, yeah, I've absolutely. been through a lot of trauma myself. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I don't consider myself depressed because I tried to, to control myself. Right. But I do know that if some people I know that I take out and, and go hiking and stuff with that, uh, we talk about things like that or in any group setting or whatnot. And people create things to be depressed about because nothing bad's happened to them. Right. And to me, that is absolutely wild. Yeah. Uh, but you know, getting back to footsteps, researchers, um, honoring the legacy of those who served and sacrificed by returning world war II artifacts that once were lost, but have found their way home. That is legacy lost and found and footsteps researchers is a part of legacy lost and found. Um, on the back of this brochure, it talks about, I mean, just the pictures alone, I'm not going to read it all. <laughs> just the pictures alone are dog tags of people that fell in World War II. Let's talk about the, you know, the great, great grandchildren of Corporal Prentice Ball who hold his pocket knife. Tell us how you guys got hooked up with legacy lost and found and what you guys do together. Well, we have an international team. So I've got uh, seven or five, seven worker, seven staff or employees, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. in five different countries. And we are constantly going into battlefields because that's what we do. I can't take you to a battlefield unless I know about it. Right. And so my experts go into the field all the time. And if you can get permission, which is not always easy, you can <laughs> um, use your metal detectors. Right. And frequently they'll find artifacts. Gosh. Um, the number of museums in World War II are crazy. The number of personal museums is even more crazy because people are constantly finding things and making little shrines in their homes or in hmm. their backyards. Oh. And, um, so th- you can't track stuff down. Exactly. If, oh. But if we have information, an ASM number, if we have a name, I can find them. Wow. And so the first thing we found was that pocket knife, and it had um, Prentice Ball, Private Prentice Ball on there. And we found his family, took Whoa. it back, gave it to his grandkids, and they're holding the knife wow. he used in World War II. Wow. I mean, the next guy is Donald Jacobs, or Joachim, who's holding Joachim, dog yeah. tags. Joachim. Yeah. Um, he had never seen those dog tags. Never seen those He was, he was those the last tags. surviving son. Okay, so that was his dad's. Yes. Unreal. Right. And his dad had fallen in battle. Yeah, he did. 
Unreal. So what you guys are doing, I mean, we can, God, I'm just watching that clock. She's in crackers. I know, right? It goes by so fast. We say that <laughs> it every really time. It really does. Um, I'm going to give yeah. you an extra five minutes, though, David. Um, I have the rip power. <laughs> He's got the, the mute button, button and everything. Um, so, but this all leads to what we talked about at the very beginning, which is the movie that you guys shot here locally. Say the name for me one more time. Reveille. Reveille is a film that was produced and shot here and you can tell us a little bit more about where you guys shot this and and how this all came about let's go for it well the first movie we did was the documentary for the plane crash okay it's called the ghost plane of la fosse if you want to check it out so we got pretty good at it and decided to try it again so dr miller um hooked up with an individual who was doing research for this particular film and they were talking about making the movie in L.A., and they had a pretty significant budget, and she oh. said, that's crazy. There's a cave in the movie. We're the cave state. Why aren't we doing this in the Ozarks? And they, so they didn't believe that we could do it for a third of the cost, which we did. And so they came out, and the people we found were amazing. The cave was absolutely perfect. The people who owned the cave are absolutely wow. perfect. They, you know, the, I walked up to them. I walked and knocked on their door, and I said, Hi. <laughs> uh, my name is Catherine, and I'm shooting a movie, and I'm wondering if I could look at your cave. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, that doesn't happen every day, right? Yeah, She was no. like, sure, come on in. And she invited me in, and we talked, and I said, would you mind? And she's like, sure, let's go take a look at it. So wow. she showed the cave, gave us the entire property, oh, didn't that charge awesome. us a penny. Wow. You know. So how much of the film did you actually film on that 100%. location? 100%. 100%. Wow. 100% of the film is filmed on location. And it's supposed to look like France. Yes, um, <laughs> France in 1944, uh, right. 45, I think, yeah. So where? I mean, without giving a specific GPS coordinates, whereabouts was this that you all filmed? Jeez. Oh, well, it's in Ozark. Oh, it's in Ozark. <laughs> yeah, Ozark. Yeah, oh. city or the city, the town oh, okay. of Ozark. Don't There's get a, him started. I, I would tell you the name of the. Cave. <laughs> He's an Ozark. Kid. I think oh, I know no. what I know what cave you're talking yes. about. Actually, Not okay. the Ozarks. All right, Ozark. Yeah. I think I know which one you're talking about too. Yes, yes. Yeah. and there's yeah. a there's a little cave down there that um, it used to be a wedding venue, yeah. and it kind of closed down, and so they're redoing it, and they let us come in and just do whatever that we is want. So cool. I didn't realize you yeah. were that local with it though. Yes. Like we did everything. I thought it was That's somewhere. Local. I was thinking no, Chadwick or no, something, no, which isn't far it, away. I guess. No. But. We found a we found a house in Ozark that we you know Airbnb it. Mm. You know, yeah. and so the everybody, the entire cast, everybody, we all stayed in the same house, and we kept the Germans separate from the Americans <laughs> because the Germans only spoke German. Oh. For the film. And, okay, you know, but they were all in character. Yeah, yeah. And so some of them were Polish, some of them were German, but most of them were native speakers. One young Unreal. man who was a German was actually um, Jewish. He's from Israel with his father. And Whoa. This was a, a real discussion. Gosh. A real discussion that the 16-year-old boy was going to play a German soldier, mm. speak German. And be Jewish. And, you know, and be Jewish. And lose family in the Holocaust. They lost family in the Holocaust. So it, it was an important thing for him to do. Oh my for himself gosh. and his father, you huh. know, absolutely let him do it. And that's so, a interesting story. That's a <laughs> legacy type there, thing, though. There I mean, that's like full is. circle. Yeah, I mean, the if, stuff you never thought would happen. Yeah, and you, you know, this sixteen-year-old is impacted by World War II. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you think that it's over, it's not. It's not. You know, and that's not. what was so clear about you walking through France was, and, and like I said again, it's, it's the people remember it because it is oral history to oh, them, yeah. and they teach it to their kids. Oh yeah very literally yeah. you know as to you can't let this happen in the yeah. world well, you so know don't. when you're stuck with the family of eight in a basement for eight <laughs> days with nothing but a bucket and a sack of potatoes <laughs> waiting to be liberated <laughs> that liberation is you know you don't forget it no you know? and that's i know a family that that happened to right. so <laughs> and, you know it's that's that's not a small thing no and they don't forget that and i i know i've got time there's this really great story yeah 
um, and we're going through this town. We're going next to this little town called Garnet. Uh, I know, right? Go ahead. And I saw this really beautiful building, and on this building had like a little bent bar in the basement window. And I thought, well, that's really strange. I said, that's an important building. Why is that bar bent? And Joey, he's he's my guy in the Netherlands. He's my expert. He's like, they're never going to fix that bar. And I said, well, how come? And he said, because in 1944, this village had to evacuate again twice. And during the second evacuation, it was just chaos, and they knew the Germans were going to be coming. Right. And so. Um, a family actually saw a tank approach, and they ran into that building into the basement. Uh, the tank commander saw them and fired at them, but misjudged the trajectory of the road. So the mortar bounced off the road, hit that metal bar, ping-ponged around that basement, and stopped in a root cellar, not detonating. Whoa. So the wow. family was able to escape. They said, they said, that's not just a bar. Right. And that family drives by that building all the time. Wow. And they know that's not just that bar saved their entire family. Unreal. Yeah. So it's not just Dang. a bar. That is so cool. That was a good one to end on. I love yeah. that. I was Stop just gonna it. say. Um, say. <laughs> I just want to know a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's a lot of things like that in France though, in your travels Everywhere, though, that there yes. were just reminders and and I guess that's a lucky omen right there that yeah. your whole family got saved by a bar. Um <laughs> But this movie that you guys filmed, tell us, give us a general rundown before we end of who is it, who is it about? Well, it's it's actually based on historical events that we were actually able to research, which is the most important part. Yes, of it everything me. everything is one hundred percent accurate. Um, tech, I mean, document factually accurate right. in the whole film, and it really talks about um, a group of soldiers that are faced with life and death in a way that they had never expected to sure. discover life. So does it follow them from boot camp on? Like it does you guys not. Do, it's or? it's just a it's a it's a short snapshot. It's about two or three days, I wanna say. Oh. In the course of the war and their experience during the war okay. and hmm. and the, the trauma and the magnitude of the experiences that they have and right. how it changes them and how war changes you and how hellacious war is. Oh man. Well it's no one wins. No, no one wins, but is it a certain company that you guys follow? We do. Um, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, though. I you're fine. Think. No, you're fine. Um, I don't think it's really in here yet, but it's a small group. Yeah, it seems like right. Mm -hmm. So, but the, the the pitch deck at the very beginning is a new film tackling the moral dilemmas of war. Uh, to me, that's a loaded statement yeah. in itself. That we definitely want to explore more about this because. Um, I love history, number one, but World War II is, is something I'm personally kind of attached to, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, seeing that I, I know other people that had family members that were on the front lines or did go on, you know, into D-Day and things like that. We were talking before you got here about a D-Day reenactment down in yeah. Oklahoma yeah. that uh, we want to go to that they do with paintball guns. Um, but they actually have the old duck boats that go up onto, yeah. they'd start in a you lake. Know, just and, go to France in December. I want to so bad. And you will, you will, so you are bad. immersed in well, World War II. My birthday is D Day. My birthday's June you, 6th. You need to plan me, we need to plan a trip for you. Let's do let's, it. Let's plan a trip. I do we'll, want to we'll, go so we'll, bad. That would be great. Take everybody with you and follow oh his footsteps. Gosh, and yeah. It can be an Exploring the Ozarks exclusive. That's right. Exploring <laughs> the Ozarks, but everywhere else. Go to the Europe right. with those. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, and I, I hate to stop us, but yeah, we, we actually have somebody we else are coming gonna have too, you back, but, you know, if quickly. you don't mind, I yeah. think we need to have you back more than just once to um, the stories that you have. I think we could try to pull from Facebook to at least kind of boost what you did mm -hmm. uh, because I love what you did. And I think that the storytelling and the emotion that's in it, because, you know, you're not like an emotional person, but. When you're oh, over yeah. there in France, it's hard not to be. It's incredibly hard not. When to you're be. walking past these cemeteries and there's American soldiers and they're they kind of treat as kind of like 
rock stars absolutely. at the time. Absolutely. Because we were there to help them out, so they yeah. helped us out as much absolutely. as they could. And that's yeah. why every single soldier buried in Europe has a caretaker. Every the, single one. How do they assign wow. somebody to that? Is the, it a the, volunteer? Um, well, they do. They all volunteer for it. They there's When the cemeteries were first established, they were basic, you know, they were not anything like what they were now. They were basically sticks and, you know, markers and right. that kind of thing. So the villagers would come in and take care of the graves and they'd paint the stump markers and they'd make sure there were flowers and there were flags. And they have been doing that ever since the end of the war, since 1946. That's so important. Yeah. So every single soldier has is never alone. Is, wow. And, and one of the gentlemen actually wears <laughs> his dog tags and he keeps the soldier's photo in his house and met his parents or his grandparents. Oh my gosh. And he said, I want you to know that your boy's never alone. Wow. That's important. Because yeah, he family, was 18 when he, when he passed away and he said, you know, barely lived. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And then you go overseas and that's what yeah. happens. But that's the least they can do. And that's the moral dilemmas of war right there. Absolutely. But it, it is, it's almost kind of flattering as an American to hear that someone does that because I almost think that. In America, I almost feel like we probably wouldn't do that for people. You know, I really, I wonder. <laughs> I really wonder. And it's kind of sad to think about. But, you know, we do have a lot of nonprofits and people like that around. We do have big hearts, especially in this area, which is why we love our show and we love the guests that we have. Uh, but those types of things uh, we love talking about. So you're going to be here more often. Um, every Wednesday. If you want. <laughs> um, but I want to get more into this story of the movie. I want to get more in the story of Footsteps Researchers and, yeah. and The Lost and Found. Um, legacy specifically, lost I found. mean, definitely talk about people from the Ozarks that did that. I would love, love, see, love that's kind of what I was can focus on yeah. those stories of people that were in World I would War love II to from the area. Yeah. 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 Get some examples for us of people that may have come Absolutely. from this area yeah. that, you know, yeah. maybe find out. I do where know they that went. Channing Tatum's great uncle died on D-Day on the beach. Really? <laughs> you <laughs> should get him on your crazy? show. I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. Magic Mike in-house, you know. I know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> not selfishly at all to have him here, but, but Catherine, thank you so much for being here and we're going to have you back and we're going to make this, I mean, we We've got a guy by the name of John De La Torre. Um, Am I saying that right, or yep. do I need to roll an R in there? Farmer De La Torre. Okay. Um, he is our local historian type of guy, and he goes and has, you know, conversations with local Ozarkians and, um, you know, just wants to hear their stories. Um, but I think he would be someone good to, to bring in on this, too. He's about to start mm. doing some specials for us. Yeah. Um, but I think he would. he's a good researcher, too. So nice. uh, maybe you guys can work in conjunction, and he's Absolutely. got a big heart, too. So. Yeah. Um, but thank you again, Catherine Vicat, for thank being here. You. I know it goes fast, and we say it every time, but it is fun I'm for us talker. to do. I'm a talker. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot to uncover on this, and, and we appreciate you being a part yeah. of it. Uh, everybody else, David, thank you as thank well you. For, yes. for doing what you and do. Have them reach, if they have any questions, check us out on Facebook. Let me know. That's what I was going to say where do we find you guys yeah just go to our facebook page or um, www.footstepsresearchers both plural.com there you go um and then follow Catherine like i do yeah. so i'm not alone uh, <laughs> and feel like a stalker again everybody else please stalk hey man, her take a number yeah take a there, number. there you go uh but everybody else keep exploring the ozarks yes thanks so much thanks again for listening to exploring the ozarks Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to our social media channels to help us keep exploring the stories of the Ozarks. If you're looking for more ways to support our show, we have sponsorships for businesses and Patreon for individual supporters. Check the links in the description for more details. Thanks for your support, and keep exploring the Ozarks.